I'm going to edit this part out. No. (laughs) Don't you dare. You You know what? You need to just like, when you make references, you just need to stay in the lane that you're familiar with. You know, you could have been like, you could have dropped references about like educational research for people. You could really get that. Those would have been your people, but like you doubled down. You just, you started with Jordan and then went to Shaquille. And this is the thing. You know what though? You could have Googled it. In the the pause that I gave you, you could have been like, who does Shaquille O'Neal play with? And Google, Google could have gave you the answer, but you were like, no. Welcome to the Critical Math Drop Podcast with your favorite math teachers, Carrie Coca and Michelle Cody. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> I just want everyone, I don't know if I, I've mentioned this before, but like, that's literally how Carrie answers the phone every time I call her. Hey, Michelle. Um, all the time. She's either oh. really excited to see me or maybe it's her terror. Um. No, I'm always like excited. People that, the people that like smile, that that nervous smile, even though like something bad's gonna happen to them, like, dun, 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 but they have no other thing. Yep, like that face you're making right now. <laughs> oh my god, um, Carrie! Like this is exciting because we're. I I want to tell like a brief, tiny story. I was at a meeting, a math meeting of the sorts, and um, the gentleman next to me said I listen to your podcast like I do know him I do know him mm-hmm. we, we do some union work together but it was and he's a math teacher but it was like so cool to be like oh because it's always like when people say that like do you like it like it's kind of right. like it's the equivalent of like when someone's like you got a new haircut <laughs> so tell me like how you feeling because it's like why would you mention it just to mention it I mean I'm Actually, I'm that teacher who does that too. Like, I'd be like, "You got a haircut? You got your hair done?" And I don't say nothing else. And I'd be like, "Oh." And I'm like, <laughs> "I feel like though." Part of it, I mean, part of it's like I want to know what you want. Like, how are you feeling about it? And also, like, I just like to notice things. What I mean, I feel like I'm observant like that also, but I feel like. Usually if I point it out, I feel like it's usually You're because I think it looks good. Something? No, because usually I feel like it looks good. I don't know if I would say it if I noticed and I was like, ooh, I don't know about that. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you like it, I love it. Yeah. That's, what I'm, that's how I'm trying to, that's the mantra that I'm trying to live my life. If you mm-hmm. like that, great i'm here for you i'm here for it because it's not me anyways um episode 11 yes episode 11 so we would be a fifth grader fifth grader we'd be a sixth grader we'd be your student no 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 if you're an 11th grader now if you're 11 year old now you'll be a fifth grader you turn 12 in sixth grade so you're like 11 turning 12 or some kids come as 12. Well, I guess it depends, yeah, on like when their birthday is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The complicatedness of... Uh, I actually had a, I had a conversation about that with a friend whose child was 
one day away from the cutoff. And so oh. had to go to the next year. And I don't know. I, I think that there's a little bit of beauty in that. Cause I mean, like how emotionally mature are you to come in to kindergarten and you're like, I can sit on the rug for six minutes by myself, friend, without your help. That is, that is some, that's some beauty. If you've never taught to, preschool pre-k you don't know that struggle oh um, my gosh yeah i've never taught the baby babies yeah they're actually super adorable like um they're talk about cold-blooded like they're very much so like i like your dress i don't like your dress you'd be like noted i won't wear this dress again <laughs> it is out of the rotation thank you for sharing thank you for appreciating um and they also just like they also don't like they don't care where they put their hands like they're just oh. like their hand goes up in the air and it just be like wop 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 you're like you not wait the zone let's talk about the zone this is miss cody's zone from her shoulder to her hand this is where you can this is where you can touch the teacher <laughs> you just, like, they're just like whopping everywhere it's not, it's not their fault they're just like their hand just goes um uh, but but 99% of the time, the redemption level is so high for them, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, they're just like these little cute little like cherubs. And then when you do see behavior, that, like little children, <laughs> when you see, when you do, when you do see behavior that you're like, not in agreement to, it's directly their family. It's like, why are you mm -hmm. cussing? Like, that's not something that, that's not something that you internally doing that's something that that's a learned behavior that you've learned anyways that's not what we were talking about today <laughs> this is like this is like my class sometimes my babies will try to ask me questions to take me on a journey and i'd be like no friends we are doing math today i am not talking about this is not story time with miss mm -hmm. cody although you love story time miss cody we want to love math time more so uh, Carrie, what are we going to be talking about today? I think we're talking about two things. One thing, two things. Yeah, two things. So one, we wanted to share an audio clip from Julie Lazaro, who used the dinner party conversation cards in her classroom. Can you, uh, where is she from again? She's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. She's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Perfect. So we're going to actually allow y'all a brief moment to listen to the clip. Hi, Michelle and Carrie. Thank you so much for posting the Critical Math Drop dinner party conversation cards. I used them in my classroom earlier this week. We were having a potluck. So the students, which this is a class of mostly 10th and 11th graders, they kind of just arranged themselves into three smaller groups, three different tables. They grabbed some food. We're hanging out. We were enjoying each other's company. And then I gave each group a set of the conversation cards and each student picked two cards that they were, that they wanted to talk about and share responses to. So they had the choice in that. Um, and so some of the, the most popular cards were sharing something that they were grateful for or that they appreciated about the, the others at their table. And in some cases they said like, we want everybody at the table to do this. Like, let's all, let's all jump in on this. And then, um, 
some of the other ones that they loved were sharing a proud math moment. And one 11th grader said that her proud math moment was when she came back from a year of online learning with COVID and she was back in the classroom in her ninth grade year for Algebra 1. And she said things started to click. It, you know, she was able to talk about math with her peers in person, with her teachers in person. And that was a proud moment for her, which was awesome, awesome, awesome to hear. Um, another one that they liked was how do you use math in your everyday life? And one student shared that she had just started a new job. She was a cashier at a store and she talked about, you know, how she used math and counting money and helping to stock the shelves. And like it really was all around her outside of the classroom as well. And another one that they absolutely loved was describing that your current relationship is math like your um, your ex, a your crush who you're trying to get to know better or your current boo. And one student in particular said like, you know, I think it's like a crush. I'm trying to get to know better. Like some days I, I can't stand them. It's really, it's really hard to work with. And, and other days I really, we really have some fun together. So I thought that was really great. And I appreciated having these cards so we can kind of add um, an extra layer to our potluck. So thank you. Oh my God. That was cool, right? Yes. I loved how she used it in her classroom. I do too. Like as a, um, like an exercise while like eating food, like here we are breaking bread and mm -hmm. also engaging in this critical conversation, which is like when we used to have, um, I groups of black teacher project, we would always break bread and then we would have conversation and it, and it, it allowed this like interwovenness around breaking bread when in a community that you feel good about and then engaging in conversations that, that are either vulnerable or help you grow or conversations that are just good for like humanitarian sake right mm -hmm. uh what was what was some of your favorite things that you heard from from the from her um, i liked how um she just with the appreciation cards you know, I think you and I had a vision for the appreciation cards and she gave them to everyone. Um, so I thought that that was, that was really great and interesting that she did that and that the kids really appreciated that. Um, because I do feel like appreciations is something that I think organically you and I have really centered just out of I don't know. I, don't know. I was going to say habit. I don't know if habit is the right word, uh, but I do think it's maybe necessity. That... I think it's, I think mm -hmm. appreciations is necessity. Like this mm -hmm. is not to take away from what you're saying, but I, I just read an article about where Blake Lively tweeted that Taylor Swift and Beyonce don't have a beef and that there's room for everybody at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of that is like the camps, right? We all know I'm, I'm, I'm team Beyonce all day, every day. Right. And I got a couple of kiddos in my class who are, uh, you know, Swifties, a hundred percent. And it was just like this reflection of like, you know what? Society doesn't make men do this. Mm -hmm. Like everybody can be having, but, but we're socially like, we're socially put in a situation where we, this ha this has to happen. Like women, have to be pitted against each other for this idea of like developmental, like thriving, like this idea of thriving, like people in order for someone to thrive, someone else can't thrive. 
even though there's enough oxygen for everyone, right? I say that to say this, that connection that she made about appreciation, so our appreciations is like, I can give you an appreciation. I can say something positive about you. I can speak and breathe life into you without taking oxygen away from me. And mm-hmm. I think I appreciate that that ideology because if the youngsters, you know, I call them the babies, but the youngsters, <laughs> if they internalize this idea of like, nah, we hand out appreciations when we get it, when we when we feel they're necessary, how much can we change the trajectory of how we interact on like a human level? Like if mm-hmm. you saw the humanity in people all the time and you conducted your, your way, yourself in that way, we would have a world where people would treat each other with a capital H, like human with a capital H instead of mm-hmm. humans with a, with a lowercase h. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the other things that, you know, you and I talk a lot about is really disrupting dominant notions of what a typical math classroom might look like in the United States, right? And so this is one of the ways that that we can disrupt that by making sure that we're always seeing our humanity in the math classroom. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, um, that is an important, like, piece of work to do and it's hard especially in math spaces because I think like in like English classes and social studies classes there is this idea of like opinion like you get to give your opinion you get to give your thought and it's there's a cele- uh, like a um, celebratoriness around it like we celebrate you sharing mm-hmm. your thinking your thought because like that is the space to do that but then in most cases, math classes are constructed in a way of dichotomy. You got the right answer. You got the wrong answer. If you feel like you know the answer, you'll feel like sharing. You feel like being out there because there's not vulnerability involved because you feel confident in this in this space, in this answer. Um, and if you don't feel confident or if you got the wrong answer, then there's a sense of like shame. And so I... I appreciate like the idea that we can kind of unpack all that, unlayer all that, all that onion. Hopefully that made sense to people. It made sense in my brain sometimes. <laughs> well, it- I, I mean, I think it also relates to research-based pedagogical practices in mathematics, because when we look at, for instance, uh, there's a study called the Tim studies It's the trends in math and science study and uh, what they did. So they started doing these, I believe in the 1990s, and they videotaped classrooms in other countries. And in other countries where students were, quote unquote, achieving to higher ability, you know, based on standardized tests, which, you know, are problematic and the result of the eugenics movement. But um, in those countries, what they actually do is they celebrate mistakes and they celebrate struggle. So a classroom might work on one really complex problem throughout the whole class period and students might be working in groups and presenting their thinking to the class. And we're looking at all of the different pathways, whether it gets to the right, quote unquote, right answer or not. Um, So I think, 
not not necessarily every classroom has that dichotomy and that dichotomy becomes like really painful and traumatic to a lot of people yeah i recently just um introduced on my stamp sheet uh sharing questions and sharing your thinking so mm -hmm. this like idea that everybody has to share and i'm like you got four spots so you have three classes to try to share your thinking or ask a question and so it is on your stamp sheet so it's like visible for you and for me mm -hmm. and i just started it last week right so i didn't tell them this but at the end of the class i was like listen if you got two stamps you got full credit because i just started this but i wanted them to have this sense of and i actually there there is this sweet quiet child in my room who is mm -hmm. so smart and doesn't talk doesn't share his thinking and i uh a couple of weeks ago because i was thinking about like you have these kiddos that coast through and because they are not peaking points like they don't cause problems in class or their parents aren't super like aggressive or um they're not always raising their hands they kind of like you know they do the salmon stream like they kind of stream up stream back without like much of an impact and mm -hmm. so i was looking at him a couple like this is like three weeks ago and i looked at him and i was like child i don't call him child i call him his name i was like mm -hmm. child i said my goal by the end of the year is to get you to talk so much that i'm just gonna be like shut up that is my goal and he just, and he just laughed and i was like and so when I introduced the stamp sheet, I pulled him aside and I was like, I literally created this tool for you. Oh, you were like my goal. And mm -hmm. he like, he got two stamps. Uh, mm -hmm. So he was able to share his thing twice, but in this thing, like, so we're, we're talking about exponents right now. And for a lot of babies, exponents is conceptually hard, especially with the smaller numbers the twos, the threes, and the fives, because they want to resort back to like multiplication as a form of addition. So they'll be like, mm. they'll be like, oh, five squared is 10, because in their brain, they're seeing five and two, instead of seeing five times five, they're seeing five times two. So oh, mm -hmm. we were sharing like some, I gave them some problems and I was asking them to like, share their their thoughts and their thinking and in one of my classes you know a couple of them shared their thought process and got it wrong and i made a big deal i was like oh my god yo that i appreciate like i appreciate where you were going with this thought process and i was like this mistake helped us all like it's impacted everybody it helped us all grow because this is probably a mistake that some of us made on our papers. Like, look on your paper. Did you make the same like mistake? And I was like, cool. I think for me, knowing your mistakes early on helps us to correct it. Cause we just trying to correct these mistakes before mo moving forward. And I think that the part, like the two kiddos that got it wrong at first, it was kind of like a, a little bit of a shock. And then there's like a smile, like, Oh, okay. So, and, and again, like, I need to be more intentional about that. And I appreciate the fact that 
we should be celebrating the mistakes. And I think that that's one of the problems in math classes. Like people are, like I said, they're so afraid to share their thought process because they're afraid to get it wrong. And so they, they sit there and they either don't share or they continue with this, um, this wrong thought process because they are too afraid to share because it's not a safe space. Well, um, the other thing, the other thing I think actually is really interesting is, um, you know, I used to be a math coach when I was teaching in New York. Right. And, uh, there were students who were so brilliant, Michelle, that they would think of a whole different pathway to do the problem that was so creative, but their teacher would tell them that it was wrong because it was just out of the box thinking and super creative. And their teacher had learned in the traditional way that, you know, most of us have learned. So the teacher didn't even recognize how amazing the strategy was. Yeah, I think that um, part of the problem is, and I know this, like me, speaking in the skin that I am as, as a black woman, like there are certain spaces where teachers are taught, educators are taught that uh, not understanding or being wrong makes you not, like you not like good enough, right? And so not to make any excuses, but I wonder if that's associated with their like fear of like, that's not, that's not how I was taught. That's not how I was known. And I don't want to say, I don't know. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, I'm just going to shut you down and say that, that it's wrong. Because yeah, it's no, that's, do. yeah, no, that's exactly, I think what happened, but um, I, but I, this is why though, I think I actually, I actually don't even, Okay, now reflecting on my practice, you know, I, I taught from 99 to 2011, but you know, I, I, I'm sure I did use that language of mistakes. And nowadays I, I try to use the language of, um, gosh, what's the phrase that I use? Not like alternate pathway or alternate think. Oh, current conception, current conception um, instead of misconception, because it also might be the case that I just don't understand yet the student's thinking. Um, well, I there's, think a, about, oh, there's a, there's um, there's actually this really interesting video. And I, I think whenever I watch the video, whenever I watch videos of teachers teaching, I always try to figure out what city they're in. And I believe this teacher is a teacher in the Bay area, somewhere in Berkeley. Uh, but she has this routine that she calls my favorite no. And so she gives students a problem to do. She gives out three by five cards. Everybody writes out their solution pathway on the three by five cards. And then she goes through them and then she picks her favorite no's. So it, it's this routine of, you know, celebrating the current conceptions that won't necessarily lead to the right answer yet. So it's kind of cool that it's like a routine, like the kids expect it, you know, like, oh, she chose mine today. And, and I think the kids don't necessarily feel shame around it. Yeah, that is some pedagogical practices that have to be supported and thought through. Um, I, I would like that idea, but I was like, could I do that every, every day? No, 
I'm not like, I mean, yeah, I don't think she does it every day. Um, but I like that idea of just being like, oh, look, Be and I, I hope it's my, it's like a math hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which for those who don't know, math hospitals, one of the, I learned about math hospitals with complex instruction and maybe we can put that resource on how to do a math hospital. Um, mm -hmm. but what math hospitals are, are taking, especially after you do like a, a test, you take some common missteps, um, that quite a few students have done. And then you put it on one paper and you allow students to like diagnostically figure out what is wrong, where did the misstep happen? Why is this not correct? And it creates this opportunity for students to engage in conversations, to fix and focus together. And um, so there's no shame attached to it. Uh, I also like, I think about Rita Pearson, who did a TED talk um, and she is a former educator. I say former because she's passed away. And it, first of all, if you haven't seen Rita Pearson's TED Talk, uh, it is amazing. It is transformative. It is all the things. And um, it's called Every Child Needs a Champion. Oh, I have and, seen this. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's, it's so good. But anyways, in one of the, in one of the parts, she talks about how she's like, showing the kids how to do something in math and it's wrong and she goes through the whole entire lesson and I guess later that day after the kids have left she figures out that she did it wrong and so the next day she comes back and she was like babies I taught that whole thing wrong and the kids were like yeah we know but you were so excited <laughs> about it we let you keep on going <laughs> <laughs> but she came back and she apologized, right? And she was like, that wasn't right. And like recently, we were doing notes about exponents. And if you don't know, like any number to the power of zero is one. And the kids were like asking me why. And I was like, I don't know. But it's a math rule that I need to look up. And I was like, I'm going to, when we come back to work on Monday, I'm going to like show you what math rule it was. And I'm like, there's, I could have just faked it and then lied about something. But I, I don't know, friends. Like, I don't know all of the math rules. I I understand how to apply them, but I can't explain all of the math rules. And it's okay that I don't know. And it's okay that I get to look up because we're learning uh, together. <clears throat> I appreciated from, I'm, I'm going to do a sharp, a sharp pivot. That, that was me <laughs> making a sharp turn noise. Um, when the kids talked about math, their relationship with math, is it a current, an ex, hmm. or a crush? Because you know, that was my question. Yep, that was and your question, Michelle. Hella creative. It, it, well, <laughs> no, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, that was my question when we answered it. Not that oh. I created it, but like, when we answered also it. Also that, though. <laughs> oh, but I love the idea of, like, that kiddo's answer, like, it's like a crush. Like sometimes I can't stand it, but sometimes I'm like, I want more of it. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so cute. And it's like, again, like making that personal connection. I also appreciate how the kiddo who just got the job as a cashier, like, Oh, I'm doing math all the time. And I was like, we're just normalizing it. And, and, and even if, even if our cards only went to this one classroom in America, we, we impacted 
15 to 20 kids. I'm done. We're done. Podcast over. <laughs> I mean, you know what, though? I'm sure um, that Julie will also share with her colleagues. Here's hoping. What I'm saying is for those of those of y'all who were afraid, uh, to do this, you thought that this was not for you. I'm telling you, it's for you. It's for everybody. Clearly. Cause she just told us this what it was. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I do remember Michelle, where you said in our I think it was episode 10 you said that uh if anyone wants to invite you in the bay for dinner to do the dinner party cards that you would come i did say that as long as they don't <laughs> try to kill me and put me on uh i'm not gonna be on nobody's uh look the only podcast i want to be on is ours i don't want to be put on any of these murder mystery podcasts um because we um, care about the partner. I'm not, no. Michelle, you're going to be safe. These are going to be friendly invitations. So, yeah, we did. We, Michelle and I have to, you know, we also want to try these out in our real lives too. So that's a goal yes, of yes. ours. I should do it. Oh, you know what? I'm going to see my family. I should do it with my family. That's what I'm gonna do, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna audio record. I want to hear your mom's statement. That's what yeah. I'm really excited about. <laughs> My mom is too much. She's so funny. Uh, okay, okay, I'm excited about that. I didn't actually think about that until literally right now. So I'm writing a note to myself to print this out for when I see them. Um. Uh, okay, so well, one of the things that I think make this all possible was a sense of safety, right? Emotional safety that was taking place in our classroom. And we uh, we were talking about this earlier and I was able to kind of reflect on my privilege around safety points on the side of my classroom. I think that uh, some, I think that I know that a lot of the safety, the emotional safety that happens in the classroom is because of my presence right? Like I being there creates a little bit more emotional safety for the kiddos because they know that Miss Cody would clap back on anybody. Clap back. I got hands for everybody. Everybody. Um, and so it's just like, if somebody makes someone feel bad, you know, I'm here ready. Uh, and unfortunately, not that I think that that's a good premise in the beginning, but our goal is for kids to feel safe regardless of who is in the classroom and who's instructing the classroom. And so how do we create that kind of comfortability so that students feel internally good about their math, their math knowledge, their lack of math knowledge, their sense of math self, without worrying about who's in the room and uh, and who's instructing the room. And so I, Carrie, you talked about what you do and what I struggle with. And I think that it's important that we kind of use this notion or idea and pivot in a way that it's productive uh, for all the, all the peoples, everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about this with uh, Angela 
when Angela was a guest with us and we were talking about students giving each other feedback and Michelle brought up the good point about safety in the classroom. And I wanted to share a couple of lessons that I wrote when I was a classroom teacher. So this is actually from 2010 and I can't take credit for this format. It was something that we did at my school. I taught at Vanguard High School. It's a Title I public school in New York City. It's one of the, it was a member of the Coalition of Essential Schools, as well as the New York Performance Standards Consortium. And community building was something that was really important in our whole school. And we had an advisory system. So what advisory meant was that I had a group of students and so if I had, for instance, like, you know, four seniors graduate, then the next year I would get four ninth graders and they were my babies until they graduated. And I was their main point of contact home to their families. So, you know, we if they're- We actually did Brown too. It's not mm. it's much bigger though. Uh, we do have advisory and they loop with the advisories and um, it is great. Is it, it multi-grade? No, oh. it's one, it's, um, it's one, like you get them as sixth grade. Well, in a deal world, if the teacher stays a whole three years, they get the same set of kids, sixth, seventh and eighth. And it's helpful when you start to call families in seventh grade and eighth grade, because we've already had this established relationship and this trust. Right. And I think that sometimes people think that families are supposed to automatically trust educators, which is super like disrespectful but they're they're able to trust like they're able to have these conversations and get to the nitty-gritty because it's no longer like hi my name is such and such it's like oh how was your christmas let's talk about johnny but yeah sorry mm -hmm. go ahead no so and actually um kind of like on the flip side of that too i think the reason that i liked the advisory system was because i was basically their school mom so if something happened in a classroom, um, so, okay, let's say that according to the teacher, the student did something that the teacher didn't like and they asked the student to leave their classroom, right? They would then come to me. So whatever I was teaching, you know, they would just sit in the back of the room. But sometimes it was actually the teacher who disrespected the student and sometimes it was actually the teacher that needed to apologize. And so as the advisor, I was able to have the conversation with my colleague to find out their perspective and my students perspective where, you know, sometimes, and I know like me as a math teacher, I have for sure apologized to students because, you know, I'm a human being and I make mistakes. And um, so that was the other thing that I really liked about advisory was that every student had an advocate in in the the school um and so uh because we are human like i yeah I, I think that like sometimes we perceive things that happen differently based off of our limited information sometimes we have such adverse relationships with certain students that things that we initially would not get us mad if somebody else did it will be blown out of proportion mm -hmm. um there there's like 
so much exhaustion that goes into education and teaching that like it's rare that you get a chance to like mentally unpack and understand like have an opportunity to be like let me reflect on this in a way that is not punitive uh and comes from a sense of humanity i'm not making excuses i'm just saying like from you know personal experience like there's times that i've like definitely have not been the best respectful person to which to a child to a student to a child and um sometimes it aligns with like what's going on in my own personal life sometimes it aligns with our current relationship um sometimes it aligns with just like the limited information i have at that moment and making a rash decision on that moment and so the fact that you have a colleague because it's different having a conversation with a colleague that you trust around an issue versus having your principal come a parent come because there's this defensiveness that comes in right like guns blazing like you did this to my child you did this to this student Mm -hmm. and instead of me have an opportunity to hear and listen and reflect on the process, I my guards are up because you're because a conversation is not humane and it doesn't allow and again I'm not making excuses like if I'm not talking about like terrible, terrible situations. I'm just talking about like one off things that happen and like how do we move forward in a way that is both respectful to the student is super respectful to the staff member. And I've cut you off so many times, Carrie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mute myself. No, that I mean, this is what we do though. We talk. It's I mean, it's a podcast. We talk to each other. <laughs> um, but I I mean, I do really want to honor my principal, rest in power to him, Luis Delgado, who really uh dang, I thought I was gonna be able to talk about this and not get emotional, but like he, um, I just learned so much from him and, um, just the ethos of, um, care that he had with every single person in the school, not only, you know, faculty members had his phone number, the students had his phone number. Um, he would call students and help them wake up to get to school on time. Um, if there was a fight in school, he would have the two students, he would bring them to their his office, he would buy them lunch, get the food delivered, and he would leave his office and have the two students talk it out. You know, so he, he was using restorative justice practices. And at that time, you know, so I taught there from 2001 to 2011, like, I didn't, I didn't even know that language. I didn't know what restorative justice practices were, um, but it was, it was what he, he did and, and the type of um, school that he created. And um, so part, part of being able to have these like safe classrooms and to use restorative justice is to do a lot, a lot, a lot of community building. And so what we did was, um, so at my school, we um, advisory met every day of the week. And on Wednesdays was the day that as a school, we decided that every classroom was gonna do what we called advisory circle. And it was based off of 
a protocol from the morning meeting book. And one of my colleagues introduced the advisory circle to us and we would actually do the advisory circle activities together as a staff. And so um, the document that we are going to share for you on the website shares how this protocol works and then also has two sample lessons. So the way that we used to do advisory circle was we would start with a greeting. We would then have a sharing question and we would go around the circle for every student to answer the question. We would do an interactive interactive activity and then we would share news and announcements. And um, we so, do that kind of now too. Like yeah. we have advisory four days a week, Tuesday mm -hmm. through Friday. I don't have an advisory anymore because um, I do student government, yearbook, mm -hmm. student everything. master. <laughs> not everything, not everything. <laughs> uh, I do some things that I want to do that bring me joy. But um, yeah, and, and I think that like at one point we were supposed to do circles every week. Uh, we were using this circle book. Our um, counselor who writes our advisory lessons was trying to get us to do circles and practice circles. And there's got to be a belief in it. And, 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 and I'm going to be very honest, like, I struggle. Like, I struggle with, like, sitting down and being like, let's have this conversation about something. And I think that uh, I wonder how different my class would be if I was able to integrate some sort of like circleness, because I think it'd be, I think it could be powerful, but it's like, you're also racing against the clock with so many mm -hmm. different things. Like, yeah. you know, as a math teacher was like, there's all these standards that I need to pass or engage my students with that if they don't engage with, it'll show up on this standardized test at the end of the year. And then my ability as a teacher, my aptitude is always reflected on how well these kids do on these standardized tests um, because families put value in their kids' success based off of standardized tests because that's how the world kind of tells them that's the marker, right? Um, and there's so much privilege. Like, I appreciate, like, I, I, I appreciate your principal being able to have that kind of um, foresight to put stock into this. It also meant, I mean, was it a public school? Was it a public charter? Mm -hmm. No, public, regular public, Title I, New York City school. Yeah, and I wonder what supports were given. Because I, I think that there are a lot of principals who want to do things that are innovative and want to try to change and there are so many constraints that stop them from from doing it. And so you have two options. You either do this thing and risk losing your job. So you're there for a couple of years to be impactful, or you try to usurp the system and do things that are not totally aligned with what you believe, but you want to be in that space to help people be successful. So I don't know what I don't know the I don't know the correct answer to that, but um, yeah. I mean, I would say I think my principal was willing to put his rear end on the on the line in order to support what he knew was right. Um, and also, I think one of the structures. So in the school, we also had a teacher leadership team, and 
like the, for instance, like these lessons that I wrote were then for the whole school. So there was that structural piece, like teachers weren't expected to create their own advisory circle lesson every Wednesday. We were writing these lessons every Wednesday for the whole school. So it made the lift for teachers a lot less because we were giving the actual structure to use. Yeah, we, it's really interesting because we, we're, we're doing some of that. Um, there is, that is, that is happening. And, um, and there's been years that we've done it very successfully with the circle. Sometimes we used to actually preview the circles the week before in our staff meeting for a couple minutes. So yeah, that's, that's, what, kind of the, that's what I was saying. That's what we, we would do. We would do the activities together as a whole in our staff meetings. Yeah. Sorry. I missed that. Okay. My mm-hmm, brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, and, and this is <laughs> when you first mentioned circles, I was mm-hmm. like, what does that have to do with math, Gary? Um, in my little snarky voice. Um, but it goes back to trust and it goes back to building space where vulnerability is celebrated and students are able to become authentic in their ways and their process. And they can't do that if they don't feel like they are safe in their, in their community space. And I'm just assuming that the work that y'all were doing in advisory, even though advisory was a small collective like community, the hopes was that they could then take it out into their larger school community and mm-hmm. the foundation to be so deep, so strong, so rooted that they wouldn't be as swayed by whatever winds were coming their way um, academically, socially, and emotionally. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason too that I gave the context of when I used to do this was because I know that it's so much harder to do this when you're doing it alone versus when your whole school is on board and it's a a whole school initiative. So, you know, I had wanted to just really acknowledge that difference in context. Um, And uh, I do think, so, you know, we had Angela Torres and we spoke about complex instruction and one of the components of complex instruction is actually doing team builder activities. I have a whole bunch of those. We could do another episode on that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, the team builders are often like not content related, right? So they're not necessarily about the math content or social studies content, you know, because you could use complex instruction in any cl- any uh, subject area. But I think that the investment of time and the investment that we make in ourselves and, and our relationships is worth it in the math instructional time that we lose when we do these activities, you know, like, especially if we do them at the beginning of the school year. Yeah. Putting in that work before. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I did want to explain these two because, you know, my thing is that uh, I really, as, as a math former, former high school teacher and former math coach, I always like to give people the actual materials that you can use in your classroom because we can talk about it, but I also want to give you things that you can use in your classroom. So 
Uh, I'm going to just talk through two different advisory circle lessons. And they follow this structure of the greeting, the sharing question, the activity, and the, at our school, we did news and announcements. I guess it doesn't have to end with that. Uh, but the first one is the greeting was say good morning or hello to everyone in the same grade as you. And this worked for us because we had multi-grade advisories. Uh, and then there was a sharing question. And uh, what we did was we created a bunch of different questions and we instructed our colleagues to print it out, cut them into strips, put it in an envelope, pass the envelope around. Every student would take out one of the questions that they would answer as the sharing question. Uh, some of the examples were, and this was for when we were first coming back to school after the summer. Uh, so it was describe something you did this summer with an adult family member, uh, describe something you did this summer with a family member close to your age or another Vanguard student. What did you miss about Vanguard over the summer? What seems, uh, or feels different about this school year, right? So they were all, you know, kind of those type of questions when you're coming back to the school year. And then for the activity, um, we had students line up in birth date order from September until August. And then uh, we had the teacher ask one student to make a birthday list for the class to post because we wanted to celebrate every single student's birthdays that year. Um, and then we had these different game choices. And it's so funny to me because now when I talk about this, in the very beginning, Michelle, I was not... I didn't have fun with these. <laughs> I sound so boring. I didn't have fun with these. And I felt so silly when we used to do them as a staff. And then I became one of the people who was writing these lessons. <laughs> um, so one of the uh, activities is to just play telephone. So, you know, you're sitting in a circle. One person says the phrase, you go around the circle, everyone has to whisper it. And then you see what it is at the end. Uh, another activity is the wind blows. And we're going to also post a video example of a teacher in Oakland who does a great job with her advisory circle and she, she plays the game, you know, the, so the wind blows is everyone is sitting in a circle. There's one chair missing and okay. And again, this assumes, this assumes that, um, every student is able to walk, which may not be a good assumption to make. Um, but what we do, so one person is standing in the middle of the circle, everyone else is sitting down and the person in the middle of the circle says, the wind blows. If you have jeans on, everyone has to move around and, yeah, then yeah, yeah. Move, yeah, and then whoever you have one less chair, right. And then everybody right, else. Has right. to yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it's we, so fun. Aim High does, yeah. Aim High does. I love my neighbor who, and okay. it's kind of the same thing. Like I love my neighbor who like mm -hmm. whatever um i created this game called yeah me too and oh. so you sit in um you like y'all are in a circle and somebody's in the middle and the person just starts talking about themselves and then once somebody makes a connection they'll be like me too and it'd be like so like let's say we're talking and you might say, I'm going to be really boring. You're like, my name is Carrie. Like, I have a brother. 
Um, I'm from the Bay Area. I love math. I'm like, oh, me too. I'd be like, like Carrie, like I love math too. My name is Michelle, and I start talking. So it allows kiddos to kind of like, like informally kind of get to know each other and mm-hmm. find because that's what you you know when you play that like class bingo where everyone kind of like fills out the squares. It's it's very um, surface level and. It, but it allows kids to kind of connect, especially in spaces like sixth grade when they're like, they don't know nobody. They don't know mm-hmm. the school. They all feeling kind of like, you know, because I don't know if you, I mean, when you, on the first day of school, the seventh and the eighth graders, for the most part, are like excited to see each other. And the sixth graders look like wool, like lambs in a wolf's den. And Aww. like, yeah, they're just looking around, they're concerned, they don't know what's going on. At our school, we like, the parents, we kind of like ask the parents to like drop them off and go or go to like a parent meeting. But we try to separate them. And for some parents, it's like, like we're li- like, we're like ripping out a vital organ and we're like, we'll bring the organ back at the end of the day. <laughs> uh yeah so it it is it's it's, so it's helpful to have these kind of community stuff and we do a lot of community things in the beginning and i think that a lot of schools kind of do that and then they take for granted like i think for most schools they do these community community games as a thing to check off and to be like okay we did this community games and partially because our enrollment is fluctuating we don't want to start content so we're doing this and so it is Mm -hmm. a place filler instead of a plant like it's not mm-hmm. a seed and so if we mm-hmm. approach these things as a seed that we need to nourish and grow then when if we continue to do this throughout the school year then we're like you know what i'm saying tapping into the humanity of it all and again this is from somebody who says i suck at this and i don't <laughs> and i like you know like there's there there is there's uh things can be as one of my, a friend of mine says, uh, all things can be true in the multiverse. If you watch uh, Marvel, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I believe in these things, and I also structurally find it hard to like engage and do these things. And so, but well, this is why I was saying though that like really the only reason why I got so into this was because my school supported it so much. Like this was not something that I liked or was good at either. But because we modeled it as a staff and we were, the whole school was doing it every Wednesday, offered that support. You know, I didn't have to make up the game. I didn't have to make up the sharing question because it was, it was given to me. Um, oh, and I was going to say the other thing that our school did was we did school-wide community norms. So every advisory created a set of community norms. And then we did this very laborious process of (laughs) from each advisory, creating whole school community norms. Um, So that was a lot. And we also had a fairness committee with students on it. So if a student wanted to take a teacher to fairness committee, because they felt a teacher disrespected them or you know, did something, they wronged them in some way, a student could take a teacher to the fairness committee. And then students would like, you know, hear the case and give feedback. So there were that's what I mean though. Like it, there were so many structures that supported this type of thing 
in order for it to be is that school still around yeah Mm -hmm. is it Mm -hmm. still doing that thing do you know because it's been like i'm pretty sure i mean i they're still doing advisory um i could find out if they're still doing advisory circle i would imagine that they are um i need to make a trip out to new york i was thinking about you know how aere is going to be in philly Mm-hmm. I was thinking about trying Which to. We didn't know Carrie and I have got accepted to AERA. Yay! First, a circle talk thing. Come sit at our table. Come here. Round table discussion. Yes. Round yes. table. Yeah. Um, I've never done a round table before. I have gone to AERA now two years in a row. Well, I'm going this year. Uh, both times with Carrie, one time, and also Black Teacher Project. Um, because that joint is expensive. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it ain't for the pole. It ain't for the pole. I'll tell you that much. Um, but AERA is the American Educational Research Association, Association, which is one of the biggest conferences, um, in the country or in the world, in the country. One of the biggest education conferences. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of researchers that come and talk about research. And that is one of the gloom and doom things about uh, education. There's a lot of uh, folks that are talking about it. Um, and sometimes you need to invite the people. It's very, sometimes I feel like it's kind of like the general, like the general makes a plan for the army or general makes a plan for the troops to like do without actually being like, when was the last time you were on the field, you were on there with the troops actually doing the thing to see if mm-hmm. this is actually possible if it works. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm one human that is still in the classroom, but I think last year there was a couple of us humans that were still in the classroom being able to be brought to the table. And, and you know, again, like, how do we make sure that, that more of us are at the table? Because price is a big deal. Price is a you know, like it's hard to be able to pay for these conferences and pay for your stay and pay for your food and pay for all these things. And I've been, I was lucky last year that I was sponsored by Natural Equity Project and um, uh, the other group that was, uh, oh God, what was the other group that sponsored your for through you, Maxine McKinney de Royston. Yes, but she she was with. But she was with one college when she did this, right? She was at the University of Madison, Wisconsin. Yes. And um, between both them and National Equity Project was, is with Black Teacher Project, um, I was able to attend uh, this conference. And because I wouldn't have been able to, like, between the flights and the hotels, mm-hmm. um, you know, the flight, the hotel, and just the conference itself was in the thousands, right? And so just to be able to be in that space would be super cool. And and I was extremely like in, intimidated by just like the space. And, you know, I'm not a PhD. I do have a master's degree, but I'm not a PhD. I'm not an ED. And so there are times that I get into spaces and I feel like, let me take a back seat. Not that I don't, not that because I feel like I'm not smart enough to bring something to the conversation, but there is wonderment that happens when you have more letters behind your name, you're able to walk into spaces differently. So, uh, but Michelle, I, 
but Michelle, I think that you should be having that front seat because you're the one who really knows what's going on. That's why I wanted to do this podcast with you <laughs> because I have been out of the classroom for so long now. Well, like no, you're, yeah, you're, you're the one who knows what's going on. Yeah, no, and I and I think and I thought well, that's what I always appreciate about you, like the fact that you do bring me into spaces that would uh would be inaccessible to me normally not because i don't belong there but just because of just like accessibility mm-hmm. uh and that's in the fact that you're able to be like you always kind of bring me into spaces which is cool and this is you know what one of the many things i really appreciate about you and i think that that's the that's the the thing that i'm saying like i i want us to have these spaces because there are like teacher-driven, educator-driven conferences, right? That do happen. And they're great on a micro level, but like they're not making systemic changes on a macro level. And so it's like one educator talking to another room full of educators about this practice that they do that that educator might take up and bring it to their school, their the community center, back to their classroom to help support their students, which is great. Like on a like that might be that thing that changed the life of, of this other student. But it's like, what if we also have people having real conversations about how we can support and change things? I, I mean, know. but I think also it's like, what is our theory of change? Because if we That's live, a good if question. We- Right. If we believe in the grassroots and we believe that the grassroots teacher conferences are going to create change, then I do think there's power in that. I, I, I for one, don't necessarily think that top down initiatives necessarily work anyways. No, I agree. And I think I think about the civil rights movement um, mm-hmm. and like there was the organization of Dr. Martin Luther King, and then there was like the grass noose of the snake. Mm-hmm. And they both they both played a, a pivotal part in, I mean, and I'm not to take away from Malcolm X. Like there was like, what I'm saying is like, there's so many different, there's so many different entry points to tackling what's wrong with education. And I don't, I agree with you. I don't think the top down is important, but I'm not, that's the thing. I'm not talking about top down. I'm talking about mm-hmm. bringing educators into a position that they can engage in this conversation. So it's not top down, but it's just like level playing, like it's level, like everyone is, is equally invested. Right. And, and having multiple minds talk about it could be super impactful and super fun a uh, super um not fun super impactful and just and and meaningful and, and like an inquiry base like let's try this thing let's actually figure out if it's actually working let's make the, the necessary adjustments for us to be successful and then let's try to help support you know i don't know mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah i mean you know my brain is thinking of just, you know, a lot of my critiques of higher education in general, but we're not going to, I'm not going to go down that path (laughs) because I want to just also briefly talk through this other lesson, this other advisory circle lesson, just so people get a sense of um, 
you know, what these look like. So this has the same format. So in this one, uh, the greeting, we offered these word association cards for teachers. So you print them out, you cut them up, and they have to figure out who their match is. So for instance, uh, you know, some of the cards were peanut butter, jelly, right? So the peanut butter card has to find the jelly card, rice and beans, bread and butter. Uh, we had, okay, mind you, this is from 2010. And you know, I live under a rock. So I, I was the one who wrote these. <laughs> uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce, you'll like that one, Michelle. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, Batman and the Joker. Um, Not Batman and Robin? Yeah. That's I, yeah, that's probably I'm better. We had, um, and this was 2010, uh, Mark Anthony and Jennifer Lopez. Oh! <laughs> Hello. So it was, it was fun, right? Every student had a card and you had to find out who your match was. And then you would say good morning to them. That was the greeting activity. Uh, and then for this advisory circle, we had people choose one sharing question. So the other example was where, you know, you cut the things up and you give it in the envelope and every student has a different question. Um, for this one, every single student is, and the, and the adults too, are going to answer the same question. So, uh, the question for this one that you could have chose was who is someone you look up to and why, uh, what is something that surprised you about school so far? Describe what your life will be like five years from now. Uh, and then also, you know, sometimes students will pose a question that they want to ask the group. And the, oftentimes the student questions are better than the ones that a teacher would think of. Um, so we always also invite students to, to do that. And then for the game, I call it the game. The activity, uh, was called follow the leader. And this is so funny on the actual lesson. I wrote, we did this at our staff meeting on 9, 15, 2010, <laughs> just in case you forgot, it's the, you know, the follow the leader game mm -hmm. where one person leaves the room and everyone starts doing like a movement that the leader is. Yeah, I'm and then you gotta I'm, figure out who's you gotta figure out who the leader like the person is trying to figure out who the per, who the leader is. Yeah, so yeah. it's like no one can see me, but like I'm tapping my shoulders, and then you change, you start like <laughs> start tapping your head, you know, and so you have to like pay attention to the leader, but not stare at them because you know the they other person is trying yeah. to figure out who it is. Um, you know, and then at our school, we ended with news and announcements. So those are some, I mean, I think you could do an advisory. Mm, I guess with the sharing question though, it kind of might take up quite some time, but I wonder if there might be a way to do a shortened version in your math classroom, like a 15 or 20 minute activity. Um, But yeah, it was fun to reminisce today about my high school teaching days that I miss so much. And I really want to do a YPAR project in the future, a youth participatory action research project where I get to work with teenagers because I miss teenagers so much. Yeah. Um, well, now that you're in... Vegas, we there's some schools that you could um, 
you know, I, I'm assuming some of your students are at schools, right? Yeah, and now that um, a lot of them are actually graduating in December, and they'll be teaching uh, it starting in January with their own classroom. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can, you know, get some get some fields for a school that you feel like will align to what you are doing. Yeah. I'm excited to get to meet more teachers in Las Vegas. For sure. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, Carrie, we've been talking for an hour. I know. I feel like on the episodes that we're like, this going to be quick. We I know. Like, Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I, yeah, let's. Let's uh, put this in the oven, baby. I'm clearly the, I don't, I'm not a fan of turkey, just to be clear. I think it's a dry I don't even eat meat, so. I forgot that about you. Oh I know. <laughs> uh, so maybe I won't be going to Carrie's party. Uh, tofu and beans? No, no, I'm just kidding. To what, all about the seafood? what about seafood? I'm just kidding to all the vegetarians and vegans out there in the world. Are you pescatarian? Pescatarian. Oh, okay. My dad's a pescatarian too. Uh, yeah. That's your that's way of like dipping your toe in the water. You're like, well, we kind of, we spur off the, off the reds and the whites, but we into the fish. Those four <laughs> fish, fish would be like, what about me? Take me off your <laughs> menu too. Um, like says the salmon was like i don't want to be a part anyways um so i say that to say let's say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> you said let's put this episode in the oven that's what you said right yeah like so it can be done like i guess i should oh, say put it out of I the see. oven i should have been taken out of the oven not put it in the oven because putting it in the oven means that we it's not done but let's take it out of the oven let's let's serve this thing up i don't know my analogies are all i'm so hungry right now no your analogy is perfect though because it goes with the dinner party conversation cards oh <laughs> yeah let's talk about that let's let one last plug two last plugs okay so we really really want to do this whole like educator math thing but no one is filling out the form we need to okay i was watching uh this tech this tiktok or something about a tea i don't know who the teacher was so so sorry for the teacher for not giving them credit, but they were like, sometimes teaching. Oh, wow. They were like, sometimes teaching is like Dora the Explorer. Have you ever seen Dora the Explorer? So like in Dora the Explorer, like she'll ask a question. She'd be like, where is the boots? Oh, the boots are over there. So I'll be telling my students, like, uh-uh, we ain't having no door of the Explorers question. I'm not going to be asking y'all questions, like, what is, like, whatever, whatever, and have a pause, and y'all just look at me, and I answer. It's like, we ain't doing Dora. And the first time I told her, the kids started dying because they knew exactly what I was talking about, how Dora <laughs> asked and answered her own questions by herself because she's on the TV, and we're not doing this. So we're asking not to have a Dora this for a moment with y'all. <laughs> Clearly, people are listening to this podcast. At least 117 of y'all. So can we get some? Can we get some folks to like 
let us know that you're like you're listening that you're here that you like get in with us please like send us an email a tweet <laughs> do the dinner party tell us something like it is very stressful i mean i guess it's cool that me and Carrie get to talk together but it'd be really nice to know that other people can't tell us that you care tell us that you believe in us <laughs> okay we are going to put the link again in the show notes to contribute i wanted to the, also put the thing for the rita pearson thing because it is oh a yeah yeah we'll add that it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. to um to listen to when you're um uh yeah when you're feeling when you're feeling what you're feeling this is also the time if you don't know people who are not educators where it gets darker earlier and we're counting down and all of the seasonal things that y'all are experiencing and the students are experiencing some teachers are experiencing and so everyone is kind of like experiencing that together anyways um carrie I've already said something nice about you. So can you say something nice about me so we can? Uh... Oh, Michelle, I appreciate that you are always willing to meet with me every week, even though I know you're always super busy and you have so many responsibilities. You always make time to meet with me and talk with me. And I always feel uplifted when I talk with you. So it's a really funny because I was talking to my coach, uh, Brian Waldman. What's up, Brian? I said your name, so you better be listening to this podcast, Brian. Uh, <laughs> um, that we're very opposite. Like, mm -hmm. you're very, mm -hmm. like, you're way more organized than I am. I'm organized in my spirit, in my thought. I'm organized in my thought process. I believe that I'm organized, but in actuality, I'm not. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that, like, even though we're very much so opposites, there, there's no shame. You don't shame me for my shortcomings. Um, yeah. My, my, my mom would often tell me, shout out to Julia Cody, hi, mom, that... Uh, I shouldn't focus on the things I'm not good at and just get people around me who can help me do those things um, because the other things that I am good at, I am good at. And so, you know, I appreciate the fact that you hold me accountable on the things that I'm like, we need to do to help make this podcast um, better. And so, yeah, it is definitely a team, a team effort. And I think that where one of us is short the other one comes through and that's what makes us a good uh team yeah we're the dream team the dream time even though i'm pretty with sure some with the mics because my kids are Michael definitely Jordan. yeah oh wow <laughs> show your age for real my friends i would i would call us the splash brothers but cool if you want to go with uh michael jordan who would okay so carrie since you threw the michael jordan reference out who would he be playing with michelle you know i live under a rock this so is what something I'm saying, like, you should have been able you said, to we said the dream team i know but then you need to follow it up like who is michael jordan playing with friend 
Okay, so Michelle is holding me accountable. I am. And she got to get in. Pippen will be one of the people that you could have said. But it's, it's just oh, like. Oh, yeah. Scotty Pippen. Like, I remember Scotty Pippen. Oh, you know that like, I met Shaquille O'Neal in Las Vegas. <laughs> so okay. Who, who would Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> be playing with? Give me one of the few people. Seriously? Um. What about, why am I blanking on his first name? Iverson. Alan, I, no, it would be Shaquille O'Neal and like Kobe Bryant. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Karen, you know what you should I'm gonna do? I'm going to edit this part out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You know what? You need to just like when you make references, you just need to stay in the lane that you're familiar with. You know, you could have been like, you could have dropped references about like educational research for people. You could really get at that. <laughs> Those have been your people, but like you double down. You just you started with Jordan and then you went to Shaquille. And this is the thing. Uh, you know in what? That, though, in it, that time, you could have googled it in the in the pause I gave you. You could have been like. Who does Shaquille O'Neal played with? And Google, Google could have gave you the answer, but you were like, no. no but you know what, it. though? It pro it pro exactly proves your point about why we make such a good team. Because there are a lot of things that I don't know <laughs> that Michelle helps me out with. <laughs> oh okay. Uh, well, I'm glad we, hopefully we made other folks uh laugh that's our that's our real not our real goal but we want to bring joy and so hopefully we made you laugh and um and think and try circles so lots of resources that are coming into um this episode all right y'all so um thank you thank you for listening to episode 11 of critical math drop with your girls dr Kerry coca and michelle Cote. We'll see you soon. And when I mean soon, I mean next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.